Awesome to have everybody out. Welcome to Back to Church Sunday. It's a national day that they do annually across America. Churches all across America today have uh, pushed this event for about the past month. Uh, thankful for everybody that showed up today for Back to Church Sunday here at Bethesda. If you're a guest, we welcome you as a guest. Honored to have you and hope and pray that uh, something throughout the service will speak to you and that God can uh, touch us and reach us here today. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Galatians uh, chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 in your Bibles. We're going to look at a, a message today entitled, Me, Myself, and I. Me, Myself, and I. We're going to Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, and look at just a few scriptures here. And... Jesse, will you reach out there in that foyer right there? It's got blue tape over the light switch and kill these fans. That uh, creaking is my whatever it is is catching up. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. Let's stand. We're supposed to stand in honor of God's word. Sorry. Uh, Paul speaking to the church at Galatia. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live to God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if, it kept, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Look at your neighbor and say, me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this message. Lord, we thank you for this great weather, this attendance that showed up today. God, we just pray that this word would apply to our heart, change our lives, change our minds. Lord, let us become more like you when we walk out here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. Won't you turn around and at least uh, touch two or three people and shake their hand and say, Me, myself, and I have showed up today. Me, myself, and I have showed up today. So if everybody here counts for three, we've got a, we've got a house full today. Me, myself, and I. Maybe count everybody times three. In preparing for this message, I was uh, going along the lines of looking at it and uh, preaching about the Trinity of God. And that was my first mindset was, if I'm going to talk about me, myself, and I, I was going to apply it and make a, a message about the Trinity of God. And I think that's an important doctrine that we believe as a church, as that uh, the Godhead, uh, he's three but yet one. It's uh, kind of complex and sometimes hard to understand. One of the best explanations I know is the, the water analogy that if you have H2O, that's, that's always the same chemical makeup. So if you freeze it below 32 degrees Fahrenheit, it becomes ice, it becomes solid, right? That's a state. And then if it gets above 32 and all the way up to 212, it's liquid form, that's, that's H2O, it's just in a different form, now it's liquid. 
And then if you apply so much heat to it and it gets above 212, you're boiling water on the stove. After 212, it turns into steam. All three states are still H2O. And that's the way we can describe the Godhead in the best way I know how to make sense to me because my brain is, uh, uh, takes a little bit more to understand some things. So that was one of the best analogies. Another one's the egg, that you have an egg shell, an egg yolk, and an egg white. They're all three part of the egg, but they make up the egg, and there's different parts of that. So there's different ways to look at that. And I believe the Trinity of God is a doctrine that the church should preach and teach. Uh, and oftentimes, if you're reading through Scripture, one of the best places in Scripture I know of is at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus uh, walking along the uh, Sea of Galilee there and, and comes over through the country and ends up at the river of Jordan. And John the Baptist is there uh, uh, baptizing people, his disciples. And as he does this, he's, John the Baptist is preaching to the people on the bank. And he said, there's one greater than I coming, and I ain't worthy to loose his shoelaces. And he tells the story. And as he's saying that, Jesus walks down the hillside and comes up to that river of Jordan. John the Baptist standing in water baptizing his people his disciples, and, and then he says, this is him. This is the one I've been speaking about. And he tells the story that, uh, that the Father had uh, shown him that whenever the, the Spirit descended upon that one, that that would be the one, the Christ. And John the Baptist declares him to be Jesus. Jesus walks in the water. John the Baptist said, I ain't worthy to baptize you. And Jesus said, you have to. It has to be fulfilled. Amen. That's a story we need to learn today. Sometimes Jesus has us to do things we don't want to do. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't about you. <laughs> it's about Jesus. Amen? So as Jesus walks into that water, John the Baptist has to lay his life down and say, Jesus, if it fulfills what you say it's going to fulfill, then I'll do it because that's what you've called me to do. And John the Baptist, Baptist baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water. We know the story that uh, as he comes up out of the water, that the Father in heaven speaks and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That God the Father is pleased in the Son being baptized. And then the Spirit comes down in the form of a dove and lights upon him. And that's symbolic of the Spirit of God. So there you have all three uh, states of God in that oneness of God at an instantaneous moment. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Me, myself, and I. Amen. Me, myself, and I. And as I was thinking about this message and entitled to me, myself, and I, I didn't really understand what all it was going to turn into because in studying it just takes me until God, I, I allow God to speak and whatever he wants to speak to Bethesda, that's what I want to speak. And it turned into this, that that's a picture of Paul up there, but I, I come across these other pictures that I wanted to share with us today to kind of give us a me, myself, and I and break some ground here, break some ice. So let's see if you put up the first picture. I think this one's really cool. That's a really cool me, myself, and I right there. Uh, little red-headed feller. You didn't know I looked so good, didn't you? It's a little cuddly-looking guy. And, and uh, I remember telling my mom when I was a kid I was going to be a preacher and wearing suits around the house. I had that suit. Just, you know, I thought it was awesome. I had my little blue suit. I wore it around. That was, that's back in the day. Uh, then a few years later, there's another version of myself. That's, uh, that's my teenage years. That's when I was rocking a mullet. And, I mean, I was rocking it. It was, it was awesome. You don't even know how awesome the mullets are until you've been in that genre, that generation. I got my official mudding shirt on, you know, where we go mudding and all that. That's still cool today. Uh, mullets are not so cool today, uh, you know. I think I could pull one off, even ball hair. You know, I, I could still 
pull that off probably. And then there's another version of me over here, and this is what the Bible says that happened. Congratulations to Ryan and Elizabeth yesterday being married. Let's congratulate them. Uh, marriage is a covenant. It's a great thing. It's an institution that God created, uh, the covenant, and he's, it's better than a contract because a contract can be broken, a covenant can be broken. And uh, that's Leslie and myself, of course, at our ordination service. Uh, Leslie and myself were ordained the same exact day. Uh, she waited on me. She got through her license and her certification before I did. So she was ahead of me in the, the three-step process, but she waited on me. Ain't that awesome? Leslie waited on me. So she is nice, no matter what people say. Um, so there you go. She, she waited on me, and we both got ordained the same night, and that's an a, a awesome time in our life. Uh, I, I, she is me. Amen. If you've got a husband and a wife, you are one, and it's an awesome thing. So there's three different versions. But I couldn't go along just to make this about me. I had to get pictures of somebody else. So let's see if you'll put up the next pictures. They're pretty awesome, too. Everybody say, aw. Aw, that's Leslie. Look at her in that little frilly dress. And isn't that just so cute? Poor little Leslie sitting there just smiling. And she just looks like so much fun right there, don't she? Just like, aw, we just hug Leslie. That would be awesome. I don't know what she got in her hand. It looks like a Christmas present. She probably wasn't sharing. I don't know. Um, something like that. Um, then you got the middle version there. That's that's Leslie in, I don't know, probably later years of her grade school, something like that, and her fancy little glasses. And, and she brags about all the time about how her mom would put her hair up in curlers all night long and have to sleep on them, just aggravating, you know, with the curlers and looking at that hair. Oh, that's just so sweet. And then we got the last version there that's Leslie myself again. So she becomes me and I become her. We're one. And uh, there's a me, myself, and I in that picture. But if you look real closely in both of our pictures, sets of pictures there, in between the me and myself and I, I've got the little verses. Right? Verses. And a lot of times as I was thinking about this message and thinking about my life and going back through the history of me, myself, and I, there's a conflicting picture of who I was and who I am. And one of the best pictures I know of is whenever Leslie and I first became pastors, we moved away to Middlesbrough, Kentucky. We knew nobody there. We just moved into a strange town and walk in. There's eight people sitting in a church that'll seat 300. And we walk in and we're pastors. And they install us as pastors. And, and everybody there, and you know, I'll be telling stories during my messages or whatever. And they'll be like, Pastor, I can't imagine you drunk. Or I can't imagine you. They didn't have the previous versions of me of who I truly was. They was basing their picture of Ben on who I had become. And as I think about this verse, a lot of times in our minds, we uh, battle. There's a battle going on in our head. Amen? Does anybody can say amen? There's some, there's some things. It, you can tell your neighbor, I, I know I look like I got it all together, but really inside of here, it's like a rat race. I mean, it's every day I am versing myself. I truly am. That, that every morning I wake up, I've got decisions to make, and those decisions have consequences. And so let's think about this message that to me, myself, and I, there's a verse in between there of, of what version of me is going to wake up that day. What version of me am I going to be that day? And it's a really important decision at the moment our eyes come open of, of what am I going to do today? Who am, who am I going to be? And it's a daily occurrence. And I love this where Paul is writing this in the Galatians. And he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
Amen? That Paul was dead. He, he had been buried in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he come back to life with this newness of life where Christ lives inside of him. So whenever I'm speaking about this, that there's versions of us that I can remember the time before my salvation of what kind of version of me I was. And that wasn't a good version. Amen? I was, I was a hoodlum. I really was. There's some people in this room. You knew me. You remember me before the old versions of me. And I, I, I was a hoodlum. I, I, I terrorized the neighborhood. I'd done a lot of bad things in my life, and I'm not proud of a lot of those things. It was a bad version of me. But I thank God through Jesus Christ, whenever I gave my life to him, that I bowed down at an altar of prayer and asked Jesus to come in my life and manifest himself and become new inside of me, that he created a new work in me. Paul says that, oh, behold, all things are passed away and all things become new. When you become a Christian, you become a new being, a new person in Jesus. And Jesus is alive in us at that moment. But Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. How much of our old man do we allow to die every day? The Apostle Paul says in another spot that I die daily. He made a choice to die each and every day. That he made that choice, that rational decision, when he gets up out of bed, I'm going to die today to myself and not live the life I want to live. I'm going to live the life Jesus and created me to be, what he created me to live. And as we decide that every morning, we need to think about our decisions has consequences. So as Paul is speaking here, I love it that it's a me, myself, and I uh, kind of controversy going on. And I think it speaks to all of us in this room today that truly there is different versions of me. And I think if we was all truly honest with ourselves, we would truly see that, yes, there's some battles goes on in here. And the Bible says that our old man, that we're to put him off with his deeds, to put off the old man and put on the new man, that that cloak of righteousness would be around us where that Jesus lives through us every day because he can make a, such a difference in our lives, and whenever he begins to make a difference in our lives, he's going to transform other people's lives as well. Amen? Do you know that whenever you live for Jesus, other people watch? I hear this often as I read through different books and different things. It says that you are the only Bible that most people will ever read. If you're a Christian, claim to your Christianity, the people around you watch you and they read your life because they don't read the Bible. They're reading your life to see if you live up to what the standard is of living a Christian life. So there's a lot of weight on our shoulders, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's not an easy life to live a Christian life. Can somebody say amen? Some people preach that the Christian life is an easy life. I found it to be a hard life. I find it every day that I've got to put my hands to the plow and, and go forward. Because you know why? Because the Bible says don't turn around and look back because we're not fit for the kingdom. Amen. Every time I turn around and look back over my life, I don't want the old version of me. I don't want that no longer. I don't want to be doing the things that I used to do because it brought about consequences in other people's lives as well. So whenever I wake up every morning, i got to decide what version do I want to be. And, and if you'll go to the next slide, Leslie, with Paul. Paul was not originally Paul. Paul was born in Tarsus. It was a region outside of Israel. It wasn't even in the nation of Israel. He was born outside the kingdom. He was a Roman by birth, but he wasn't a Christian by birth. He was born as Saul of Tarsus. And as we read through the New Testament and we get into Acts, it talks about Saul. It talks about Saul of Tarsus in all places that it'll, it'll speak of Saul of Tarsus because that's who he was known to be. And the Saul version of Saul was not a good version. 
because he grew up in Jewish customs and he ended up in Jerusalem and studying at, at the feet of Gamaliel and, and whenever he was there he was studying he, he memorized scripture and he even says in one place that he far exceeded his peers he knew scripture he knew this Bible like the back of his hand but there's a difference in knowing the Bible and knowing God amen some people can quote you scripture after scripture after scripture that means nothing about knowing God now, am I telling you not to study? No, I'm not telling you that because the Bible says study to show yourself to prove unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul tells Timothy that. Study, Timothy, to show yourself approved. We should study. Amen? But as Paul is saying this, the, the Saul version of Paul was a version that, that he, he grew up in this religion and he was so in, much in bondage that the law was a bondage to him that, that hindered him in such a way that he becomes so entrenched and so ingrained and indoctrinated with his belief system that everybody else is wrong and I'm the only one right. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm like that sometimes. <laughs> I get around people and, you know, I talk to them and I think, man, why don't they just change their mind? They need to be like me. Amen? Everybody else needs to be more like me. Really? <laughs> no, because still the version of me that I wake up with every day is not the version that I know that Jesus wants me to be. Amen? I lay down a lot of nights with a version of me that says, I have messed up here today. I've hurt this person today. I've made conflict over here today. Some of the things I've spoken out of my mouth today, the Bible says that the tongue is hard to capture or hold. Amen? James speaks that. So as I was saying that, Saul become that version to tell everybody else, you've got to be like me if you're going to be right. And one thing we need to decide here today is, I'm ready to lay my life down so I can pick up the life Jesus wants me to have. Amen? How about it, church? Let's lay down our old life and pick up our new life in Jesus. Amen? Because whenever we do that, it's a life that is a life worth living. That as Jesus begins to live through me, it brings life in dead places of my life. And sometimes I'll be around people and, and I might not understand what they're going through or what they're facing. And I begin to speak and the next thing you know I can feel and sense that the Spirit of God is touching that individual. And as I speak I can see life coming into dead places in their life. Have you ever had that encounter to you? Where you sensed and knew that God was speaking it wasn't you. If you've never sensed that you need to pray for it. Pray, God, allow me to speak in people's lives because people's hurting. And when they're hurting, I need to hurt with them. Amen. Whenever you're around people, sometimes people put on church faces. Amen. We get up on Sunday to come to church, and we come in church, and we be like, well, i got to put on the version of me. This is my Christian version, right? I'm going to come in church and act like everything's been, oh, it's just been swell this week. This has been the best week of my life. It's just been awesome, right? I, I'm going to put on my church face and just smile real big and walk through the door and meet the greeters. Hi, how are you? Well, it's been a good week, ain't it? Pat on the back. Oh, this weather's just awesome, isn't it? But inside you're sitting there thinking, man, you don't even know how many times I've had my teeth kicked in this week. Amen? There's me, myself, and I going on in all of our lives. So as this happens, Saul is this guy that has to tell everybody, you've got to be like me or you're wrong. And one thing about the church that I believe today is the church believes it's right and everybody else is wrong. Whenever Jesus was here, he listened a lot more than he talked. Amen? One thing the church needs to learn today is to listen a lot more than we talk. Let our actions speak louder than our words. Amen? 
Let our actions speak louder than our words. That's what Jesus did. And then he, I love the time with the, they brought the, the Pharisees brought the woman with the uh, caught in the act of adultery, brought her down. Jesus is down riding on the ground. He don't say anything. They're asking him all these questions. What are you going to do? You're supposed to stone her according to Moses, Jesus. What are you going to do? You're going to throw stones, Jesus? They all brought stones with them. Jesus sitting there writing on the ground. He lets them go on forever. And finally he says, let he that's without sin cast the first stone. See, we like the judgment of Jesus when it's on our side. Where we're thinking, man, you don't know how that person done me. I, pr I, I can't wait till Jesus gets them. And then you take them in front of Jesus and Jesus said, guess what? I'll forgive them just like I forgave you. Amen? And Jesus tells them that he without sin cast first stone. And the Bible says they all dropped their stones and walked away sorrowful. Because everyone knew they've got sin too. Me, myself, and I. What version do I want to become? What version do I want to live on my daily life whenever I'm here existing? Saul got to the point where that he even killed Christians. He stood and held the coat as they stoned Stephen to death. Saul, this Saul that we preach about, the Saul that wrote this Bible, the Galatians that we just read this morning as our verse, he had people killed because of their Christian faith. See, in America, we think we've got it all going together, and it's, you know, America is the best version of everything. It's the best government and all this. It wasn't too many years ago that there were certain uh, denominations were kicked out of America because they didn't believe like everybody else. You have to be just like me or you're wrong. They kicked them out of our country because of their belief system. And here we are today that, that as, as a nation, we'll kick people out because they don't believe like us. But what about us be the version of Jesus that Jesus wants us to be, that there, our actions will create a desire within that people. Maybe they are messed up in their theology, but us speaking and saying kick them out rather than being inclusive is not doing any good. Amen or oh me? Me, myself, and I. Who do I want to become? So as we speak this today and think about this, that me, myself, and I, that there's something going on, that there's a, a, a heartache within us, to say, I want to do better things than what I've been doing. And as you're sitting here right now, is there anybody here that would say, Pastor Ben, that's me because I want to be a better version than who I currently am. I'm ready for a transition in my life. I'm ready for God to begin to rule and reign and take dominion of my heart. So Saul kills these people, has these people killed, and all of a sudden he goes to this uh, uh, emperor over this region, and he says, I'll tell you what, just empower me to go get all the Christians everywhere. I've done pretty good here in Jerusalem. Let me go somewhere else. Let me go up into Syria. Let me go get them. Now, it's not good enough that I just uh, heard these people here at home in Jerusalem. I want to go to Syria. So he gets the approval, and he takes off in this journey towards Syria, and as he's going toward Damascus, as he's heading that right way, we know there's a road to Damascus, Saul ready to go kill more Christians, ready to go imprison them. And he walks along this journey to go have these people killed because they're in a church like you're in today. If you want to see when your Christianity's real, let them th come through the door here in a minute and say, any Christian, please stand up. Stand there with a the gun. What are we going to do then? Are we going to stay sitting or are we going to stand? That's what we have to decide. It's the life we've got to live. Jesus said they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Saul was persecuting people. But in this road, Jesus finally says, there's something in Saul and a better version I need him to become. And Jesus comes down, and it says that Jesus met him on that road to Damascus. 
the light showed up and it knocked him off his horse. Saul was riding on a horse. He, he lands on the ground. It blinds him temporarily as he's blinded here by the light and he's sitting there on the ground. He looks up and he, he sees Jesus and he, this same Jesus that he'd been persecuting. And Jesus said, why have you been kicking the pricks and he's, all this stuff going on? And, and finally Paul says, Lord, what would you have me to do? Let me tell you something. The point in your life where you become a better version of you is a moment where you say, Lord, no longer I live. You live through me. It's a transition that will happen. It's a radical transformation that will happen in an instant. I'll tell you why. Because it happened to me. One of the things I was talking to a guy this week about, I was witnessing to a guy and talking to him and, and just speaking about church stuff. And I told him about my transformation. And one of the biggest things I, that, that bothers me now, thinking back, was I was raised in a church that told me I had to go to an altar to get right with God. I can't find that in Scripture. I thought in my mind I had to go to church in order to meet God. And looking back at that, at the moment that I knew, I made him a promise on Saturday night, if you let me get to church tomorrow night, I'll go to the altar and give my life to you. That moment where that I accepted him right there to say, I'm ready for the move, I'm ready for the change, that's the moment where salvation happens. It had nothing to do with my altar experience. It happened on Saturday the day before. Because whenever we turn our heart towards God, the Bible says that he's near to those that are brokenhearted. Amen? The closer we get to him, the closer he gets to us. He's going to move in. So the better version of me is the Ben version that is saved. And that's the Paul experience here. So Saul is the guy that kills the Christians. At the Damascus road, on the road to Damascus, where he falls off. That, and then Jesus tells him, you're no longer going to be called Saul, you're going to be called Paul. He completely changed his name. Wouldn't it be awesome to get a name change? Amen. The word that I'm going to be known as somebody different than who I used to be? Wow, think about that. What if a Christian was truly a person that was different than they used to be? Wow, wouldn't that be something? To be in a church full of Christians here today that has truly radically transformed lives where the Jesus got a hold of us and we really are different than what we used to be. A different version of me. The version of saved version. So it's Saul, the killer, Paul the saved. But if you go over one more step, the I, I believe that's a calling. That's where God called Paul to be an apostle, to be an evangelist, to be a pastor, to be a teacher. He equipped him to do the work of the ministry. And as think about this, and it, it really freaked people out because whenever Saul used to go into these churches killing people, and then now he shows back up and he said, yeah, but I met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he called me to come back and preach to you. They're like, yeah, right. You're going you're gonna to take us out to the jail cell. I don't want you in the church. How many of us in the church today has people we say, well, no, that, everybody can come to church, but not that one. Amen? Everybody's allowed in church, but that one that's like that, not that one. Now, they're not allowed in. Everybody else will be allowed in, but not that one. And it's us doing the judgment where God says everybody's invited. Amen? And I'll tell you like this, as a church here at Bethesda, that he's without sin, cast a first stone. If you know somebody that you think don't deserve to be here, go ahead and throw your first stone at them if you don't have any sin in your life. Because you know how I can say that confidently? I know that the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every person in this room has sinned, I assure you. The Bible teaches it, I believe it, I've experienced it, I know it to be true. There's different versions of us, what version do we want? And as I think about the called version, 
if whenever those kids laid hands on me down there in Louisville and began to pray for me that I was going through the fire tunnel and, and I, they, they was praying and these kids were they were a lot younger than me but yes they were a lot wiser than me because they chose Jesus a lot earlier in their life I waited till my life fell apart before I took Jesus they done it when they was in high school. I thank God for our youth group and the work that Albie and Dusty does to, to lead these kids because it's important to do it now. Amen? You can never be too soon in meeting with Jesus. Don't wait. Because I remember wanting to go get prayer, wanting to go be saved as a teenager, and I, I wish I could have it to do over with because I stood right there by my grandpa on the second row from the back at every church I ever went to and stood there gripping the, and having him stand beside him and hearing him testify. I wish he could have watched me walk down the, hall, the aisle. But my stubborn heart kept me from doing that. He did get to know the Christian version of me for about the last two years of his life before he got cancer and passed away, and I would go out and sit with him on Friday nights and we would talk about Jesus. I see my papa all cry over his kids that don't know Jesus. I witness him and his compassion, saying, With Jesus, life is a lot better. But also, my papa was called because I've heard his stories, I've heard his testimonies where he would testify, and everybody would come up and say, like, Wow. It was like God was right here with us when you was talking, Howard. That's what I want, is God to meet us here. Amen? A calling where that we meet God and God meets us on a daily basis. So Bethesda isn't about Sunday mornings. Bethesda isn't about I belong. Bethesda is not about our events that we do. It's about a group of people makes decisions on a daily basis to wake up and say, I want the best version of me today. I want to live today a life of purpose with God. Saul become Paul that become called. And he wrote back to all these churches and said, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ and I was born out of due season. He said it wasn't even in the right time, but I'm here. And I'm going to preach about Jesus all over the world. And think about a New Testament without Paul. You wouldn't have Galatians, you wouldn't have Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans, more than likely Hebrews. You wouldn't have any of those books in your New Testament if Saul had remained Saul. Our choices create a different destiny for those in front of us. And I'm telling you today, you're empowered with time today, and time's on your side. If God blesses you with tomorrow, you may be setting a, a, a path for future generations to follow Jesus that wouldn't without you taking that step. We can change destinies as a church. Amen? If you don't believe me that there's different versions of Jesus, I got a video to prove it. So even different versions of Jesus. Amazing. And I remember watching that movie. And first time, me and Leslie, we went with pastor friends of ours. We went to meet them in, in Lexington. And we went to the movie theater. And went out to watch that movie. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> And it kept going, and finally it's just like, you know what? Sometimes we're too serious. Amen? That's pretty awesome. I don't care who you are. Pretty good stuff. And these gold uh, fleece diapers, that's pretty awesome. I mean, eight pounds, six ounce, Jesus. <laughs> what version of Jesus do you serve? 
Let's stand. Let's if you'll come. It's important today, the things that are going on in this place. I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and that we are to listen to what God wants us to experience in this place today. Because I really believe that uh, in this moment, in this instant, that there's decisions to be made. And those decisions are life-altering. I believe there's people in this room today that are standing here that say, Yeah, Pastor, I'm in that Saul version where it's all about me, myself, and I, and I'm the only one right, and everybody else is wrong, and I've been persecuting Christians. I, I literally remember making fun of Christians in school. I think back upon that. I'm so sorry for it, Greg. If, if some of those kids that were trying to make it when it was in high school and middle school, I would mock them and make fun of them. That ain't cool. Just ain't cool. That's the Saul in me. And I believe that Saul is in every one of us. That we can be mean. We can be cruel. But I truly believe that God has called all. He, he says that he loves us all. That there's no respect of persons with God. Romans 2.11. No, for with God there's no respect of persons. He loves your neighbor just as much as he loves you. And he loves your enemy just as much as he loves you. And whenever we get that through our thick skulls and we come to that moment of salvation where we say, God, I'm sick of being me. I want to be more like you. Amen? I want to be more like you. Those decisions will change our destiny. I truly believe that. And I'm sure you've seen the picture of Leslie with her little pink dress on with frillies and uh, had her little present sitting there and it looks all comforting and all so peaceful I said it this morning I, I kind of freaked her out because I said I've got a video to show you all and it's a video of Leslie about that same age because I've seen some of those uh, VHS cassettes that Karen and Ernie's got where they had cameras and she was a hooligan she was bossing everybody around when she was that little and all cute and fancy looking in her little dress, but she was a hooligan, just like me. But she come to a point by the time she was nine years old where she was standing in a church service one day and the pastor was preaching and something touched her heart and something began to speak to her and that something was God. And God began to speak to Leslie and say, today's the day that you've got to make a decision you can't get to heaven on your mom and dad. You can't ride their ticket. There's going to be no grandkids in heaven. You're either a son or daughter of God, or you're not. My mom's prayers, they help me here on this earth. I promise you that. But her prayers can't get me to heaven. The only thing that get me to heaven is for me to make a rational decision and say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And when I made that moment, that salvation moment for me, it changed my life. I become like Paul. But then there's even more than that. I become called. Now I'm standing here in front of you preaching today because that's what God called me to do. I could have just been a saved version and sat back and done nothing. But it wasn't what I was designed to do. And the calling's not just about this. It's about loving God and people everywhere I go. That's what Bethesda's mission is. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes with me if you will. Everybody in this place, just bow your head, close your eyes.
Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, through the power of the name of Jesus, you said that the demons would tremble, that they would have to flee. So Jesus, I'm speaking over people's lives through the power of your name right now. And God, I declare this place to be a place of peace, a place of safety, a place that the Holy Spirit can mend broken hearts. And God, just as we said in the message a moment ago that your word declares that you will mend the brokenhearted, God, I pray that you begin to piece back together people in this room today. God, as they come into this place today brokenhearted, going through turmoil and conflict, Lord, that this message was designed for them to let them see that there's a different path forward and today they can make a choice. God, I pray today that you would give them boldness to make a choice to become the version of their self that you have designed them to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody keep your head bowed, your eyes closed, nobody looking around. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. Just have a, a moment with the Holy Spirit. And Leslie's going to sing just the verse of this song. And I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Just ponder on yourself. estimate at what stage you're at in your life it's not up to me to decide that but I believe that God reveals to us who we are and at some point today in the message I don't know if God pictured you and let you see that you're in that Saul stage that selfishness is within you I can still see that in myself I don't know if you're in the Paul stage where that you've been saved, but you know that there's more to God and God's got more for your life. And you want to become called. But I know that God has revealed some things to you today. That His Spirit is, is relevant. It's here to minister to us today. So I just want to ask you, is there anybody in the room that raised their hand and say, Pastor Ben, today... I'm going to make a decision to become the best version of me that God created me to be. Is there anybody here that raise your hand and say, that's me? Amen. Hands up everywhere. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Amen. Peace of God. Thank you, Jesus. There's hands up all over this room. Lord, you said in your word that you would set at liberty those that are captive. And you said that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
So, Jesus, I pray for every individual, Lord, for even the ones that didn't even raise their hand that are not comfortable in this moment to do so. But, Lord, inside their heart, you have spoken to them today. God, I pray today that you would set us free in this place. God, that we would wake up every day throughout the remainder of our lives. God, that we would live in the calling that you've called us with. Lord, that we would be saved and sanctified. Lord, that we would be justified. Lord, regeneration would happen in this very moment where, the, where we would become alive, Jesus. Lord, for some of those that's facing storms and troubles in their life on the exterior right now, God, I pray that life would begin to come from the inside and you would bring life to dead places, God. Just as Ezekiel the prophet seen those valley of dry bones that they were dry and there was nothing there, that there was no life, that it seemed like there was no hope for an army to be there. But Lord, you brought flesh upon those bones and those bones raised up. And Lord, they glorified you as becoming an army. God, I pray for Bethesda. Lord, we would be the army. Not the army that kills, but Lord, the army that would promote your goodness, your gentleness, your meekness, your kindness, your temperance, God. Help us to be more like you. Lord, that every individual in this room would walk out in the newness of life. That salvation would be a reality, not just a hope. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.